Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to Tune In, the podcast of the Yiddish Book Center. I'm Aaron Lansky. As you know from uh, earlier broadcasts, barely 2% of Yiddish books have been translated into English. And we at the Yiddish Book Center are trying to do something about that. Uh, recently, we launched a translation fellows program to train and inspire a new generation of professional Yiddish translators. Our first six fellows, funded by the David Berg Foundation and Steven Spielberg's Righteous Persons Foundation, met recently in Amherst to learn new skills, share early drafts, and offer encouragement and support to one another. I asked each of them to give you a sneak preview of what he or she is working on and why. So I'm just going to have you start off by just just introduce yourself. You know, who are you and where are you from? Okay, great. <clears throat> so my name is Amanda Miriam Siegel, Miriam Afidish. Um, I was born on the north side of Chicago, Illinois. Um, and how did and you come to speak Yiddish? Yeah, I, well, I spoke almost no Yiddish um, as a child and as a teenager, but I started reading um, Yiddish literature in translation um, and also heard uh, folk songs sung in Yiddish by my father and by my grandmother and was really enchanted both by the language itself and by um, the literature and translation. Uh, I remember reading No Star Too Beautiful, an anthology, when I was 15 years old, and uh -huh. I read the oft-cited statistic that was then 1% of literature has right, been translated. Right. Now I think they say two, but I was just immediately um, sort of enchanted by the idea of becoming a Yiddish translator. So oh. the first opportunity that I got to learn Yiddish was my first year of grad school. Um, I lived in New York City, and I was getting an MFA at the new school. So I went to YIVO's um, summer intensive. And I loved it so much that I went back to more summers. Um, then I studied a bit at Workman's Circle with Eve Jaknovitz. I worked for Bela Schachter Gottesman. Uh, um, yeah. Let's see, what else? I lived for a few months in Yiddish Hoys in Bedstuy, <laughs> um, and just did all the Yiddish immersion that I could. Um, and, and that's where my Yiddish comes from. And what are you doing for your day job before we get to the translation? Well, I I'm, was lucky enough to get a Fulbright Fellowship, which is really my day job. Um, right. So my job is to attend classes with Avram Lichtenboim in Buenos Aires and others, um, and to write translations out, out of Yiddish into English of poetry from um, Argentine Jews. Oh, that's wonderful. So how about your project? You're, you're here you know, as one of our chosen fellows to work on a, on a work of Yiddish literature. What have you chosen to work on? I have chosen Elias Marshavsky's Der Goldspinne, um, the gold weaver, um, which has yet to be found, the manuscript. It's huh. been published in Spanish. Um, it was written originally in Yiddish. It was published and translated by Marshavsky's daughter. Right. Um, he lived in a colony called the Rivera Colony, agricultural colony, um, was one of the... So this was a Yiddish-speaking agricultural colony? Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and he came uh, to Argentina from Russia, um, he was one in one of the very first waves of immigration, um, and he he just describes, you know, there's character sketches and descriptions of their struggles to cultivate this this land, um, and I, I very much hope to find uh, 
uh, the original oh, manuscript. God. So where, where are you looking? This is so exciting. Yeah, yeah. so there is, there's an institution um, in Rivera, um, and I got their email and phone number from the AMIA, which is the major Jewish organization sure. in Buenos Aires. Um, so I have been in contact with them, sent some emails, and what I'm hoping to do, assuming that they themselves are not in possession of the manuscript, is to get in, in contact with um, Marshavsky's family, and, and I really hope that they have kept that. Manuscript. Oh, you got to keep us posted. What a great detective story. We'll call you from here all the way down in Argentina when you find it, okay? Abs absolutely. All right. And if you don't find it, then, then what happens? If I don't find it, I am thinking of working on um, Alperson's uh, memoirs, um, which was published twice in Yiddish, um, once in Poland and once in Argentina, and has also been published in Spanish. Um, but hasn't yet been published at length in English. It's it's very long. It's two volumes. Um, but similarly, memoirs of an agricultural colonist. Um, so a lot of similarities, but maybe a little bit um, more well known, at least in this the small Yiddish speaking and Yiddish studying world. What did they do in these colonies? Were were, were they raising animals or just crops or? Mm, well, let's see. No, certainly crops. Um, you know, and then there's like sort of in the national imagination, the Jewish gaucho, right, which, right. you know, existed. I, I can't really speak in terms of um, in terms of numbers. Right. But it's definitely become this iconic symbol of the Jewish Latin American, right. which is what I'm really interested in. I think either text is going to prove fascinating. I really hope you find the first one. I think it sounds like a fantastic story, and good luck with all of it. Can't, can't wait to read the book, whatever it's going to be. Thanks so much. and Thank you very much. <laughs> so let's just start off by having you tell me uh, who you are and where you're from. Um, so I'm Avi, Avi Lang. Um, I'm from Nottingham in England. Um, yeah, and I come here uh, from Bloomington, Indiana, where I'm currently working on a PhD. What's your field? Uh, comparative literature, and focusing on Yiddish, of course, Yiddish and Hebrew. Oh, that's wonderful. Great. And how did you learn Yiddish? Um, that's a long story. Um, I was... I, I assume it's not widely spoken in No, Nottingham. not in Nottingham, <laughs> no. But uh, we did hear a little bit of it at home. Um, yes. I was at Oxford doing my master's, and... Um, Joseph Sherman was part of the faculty, and he was just the most lovely, warm man. And um, a friend of mine and, and I, we, we both were very much drawn to him, so we wanted to find out what he taught, and it turned out he taught Yiddish, uh, Yiddish literature and English translation. Yeah, and actually, he was probably one of the greatest Yiddish translators. He's just, a, just yes, incredibly talented. Absolutely. And absolutely. died Oliver Sholem maybe, I don't know, five or six years ago, right? Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. Um, but uh, he introduced me to it, and um, he was very encouraging and sent me off to Vilna, where I did my first summer program. I see. Um, and after that, I did another summer program a year later in uh, New York, and uh, I just kept going. It just uh, That's great. And, and, and why this fellowship? Why, why, why the interest in translation? Um, well, we've got so much literature that isn't available in English, and I came to Yiddish through English translations of it, and I think that's how most people do arrive at Yiddish. Yeah, me, me too. Um, so I think there needs to be more out there, and people need to be made more aware of it. And, and what are you working on? Uh, I'm working on a translation of short stories by Avram Rivas, 
Um, so I don't even know the name. So who, who is this? Uh, Rifus was born in Poland in 1900. Uh, he moved to Palestine in 1925. And he wrote um, very... He was very strong on images. He really captured the landscape of, of uh, Israel at the time, um, the mood of the British Mandate period. Um, and he wrote from different points of view. Like there are stories, the one I've just finished working on now um, is written from the point of view of a Polish soldier who's ended up in Palestine with the Anders army. Uh, he's not Jewish. Um, and he kind of has these very difficult feelings towards the Jews. He's right. a strong Catholic. He goes on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem on a train, which is wonderful because the train doesn't exist anymore. So actually, uh, it captures something of a, um, something that doesn't exist. You know, it's, it's, right. uh, it's wonderful to sort of see Israel through those eyes, through the eyes of uh, that period. And, and the obvious question is, why did he write in Yiddish and not in Hebrew? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure he really experimented with Hebrew. Um, he's not considered a Zionist writer. Um, because he took these different angles. Like, there's another story that's written from the point of view of an Arab. Um, the stories that he writes about Jews working the land, which is a typical trope of, um, of right, Zionist right. Um, literature of the time, um, really show how difficult it is, how much they toil, how scared they are of the land. And that's not really typical of, uh, of Zionist writers. So he's sort of slightly different. Oh, it sounds so intriguing. I kind of can't wait to read this. Yeah. <laughs> Is, is it published in Yiddish? Uh, it's published in Yiddish. It was published in po uh, in Palestine in 1947. And where did you um, find a copy of it? I found a copy of it in the IU library, uh, which was... Um, Indiana University. Indiana yeah. University, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. And, and did you read it and say, this is it, this is the, this is the work that's got to be... Uh, uh, it was difficult choosing. I knew I wanted to work on Yiddish in Israel. Yiddish was always written in Israel because I think... Um, I was thinking why people read literature in translation. And I think a lot of it is people may be going on vacation to a place and they want to pick up a book that's about, the, about sure, Italy sure. or about France. Yiddish doesn't really have a land. So I think the fact that um, this particular book is tied to a country um, could give it some more mileage in the in sort of t uh, speak to a general, a wider audience, I mean. Yeah. That's wonderful. And, and, and what's your biggest challenge? You know, what's, what's the hard part the about doing The biggest challenge is, is diglossia. He uses a lot of words in uh, Arabic. He uses a lot of terms in Polish. Ah, um, okay. It's really a, a multilingual book. And um, it's wonderful because that's, that is the flavor of the, of the time. There were all these people in that right. country then. Um, so dealing with that and, and really how to indicate. Um, so first of all, do you know those languages? Uh, I know a little bit of Arabic. Uh, I'm studying it at the moment. Um, I'm working closely with Bill Johnson, who's um, who's um, translated from Polish. So he and he one of our out. workshop leaders here this weekend, he right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, and, and and how will you render it? How do how do you make it clear that this is Arabic being spoken when reading it in an English translation? Um, that's really tough because I don't want to use footnotes. Uh, I think that's it. Kind of puts people off. Yes. Um, so I think you've got to sort of interrupt the text in places and say things like um, maybe salam uh, alaikum he said in arabic you know um, I see. and sort of point to it in the in the text well it sounds like many challenges and it sounds like you're up for the task so. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> so yashikai i'm enjoying it can't wait to read it and thanks so much for thank being you. here thank thanks. you thanks bye now <laughs> i'm going to start out just and just ask you to uh, tell us who, who you are and where you're from and what you're working on great um, i'm shalom berger 
I live currently in Baltimore, spend a lot of time in New York, grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm currently working on translating the prose poetry or very short fiction of Avram Sutskever and his um, first work of that kind called Green Aquarium. Great. Well, I want to talk about the work in a second, but first I want to find out a little more about you. So what do you do for a day job? I'm a doctor. I'm an internal medicine physician. At Hopkins? At Johns Hopkins. Great. And you have the distinction, I think, of being the only person here in this translation uh, workshop who actually translates in both directions, meaning not only from uh, Yiddish to English, but from English to Yiddish as well. Yeah, I, I, I do try to translate in both directions. Yeah, what have you done? What, what sort of so I, I, I translate a fair bit of poetry in both directions. Um, I, um, I, I've translated a, a number of modern American poets into Yiddish. Um, for, and, for example? Um, so I, I, really, I really like the poetry of Louise Glick, and I've tried to render her into, into Yiddish, um, and also not non-Jewish poets as well. Uh, Matthew Zapruder, who's a contemporary uh, American poet. Um, and I've also tried to translate um, uh, many of today's working Yiddish writers into, into English as well. And I write in both languages, so I'm, I, I find myself in a frequent process of self-translation. <laughs> so what's, what's harder? Which direction is more difficult? I, I think I think it's a cop-out answer, but I think they're, uh, they're equally hard. Because, uh, <laughs> but the, the, ch the challenges are different because um, the challenges are different. You're... In English, you're dealing with a the, the the tension between the particular and the universal is not as always present in English because you're dealing with a, a well-nigh universal literary language, um, or at least a a one of the currently hegemonic literary languages. Right. And then you're trying to tr to transfer it into a particular space of Yiddish, and that's one challenge. And then obviously the, the Yiddish challenge is the is the trans transmuting Jewish particular space into universal understandability. So that's a different challenge. So if you had to pick, you know, well, you had your choice of any work of Yiddish literature, I think you probably have picked one of the hardest texts that I could imagine uh, in terms of Sutzkever's prose work, which is wrought with such precision. And the idea of rendering that into English sounds to me like a daunting uh, challenge. Yeah, well, um, you know, I think, um, although I'm not a chassid, um, I do, it, would, it wouldn't be far off to think of myself as a as a Hasid of Sutzkever's, you know, as a, as an acolyte. Um, yeah, tell us quickly who Sutzkever so he um, was. So he was, I think, the greatest Jewish poet in the 20th century, and uh, he's bestrat, bestrode uh, Jewish history from, you know, growing up in, Lith in, in Lithuania, being in Siberia, um, uh, being in the Vilna Ghetto, and then um, coming to live in, in Israel. And he wrote about all those stages, and through it all remained not an um, outspokenly political, political poet in his verse, but a lyrical poet. Um, and as you point out, a very a poet, very careful in his construction. Um, and most of us don't think of him as a prose writer, of course. or don't know him as a prose writer. Well, right. How would you characterize the prose? Well, I mean, he has many different kinds of prose. For, um, he, he wrote several works of, of, of um, reportage and travelogue, for example, about his testimony at the Nuremberg trials. He wrote mm -hmm. a lot of pieces for a number of years in his function as, as the, one of the editors of the Golden Kate, which he founded. But what I'm trying to translate is one of his two books of prose poetry, which is at the same time literary in a high culture way and very much redolent of and, and indebted to the folk culture that he grew up in. That sounds like a contradiction of sorts, eh? It is. It is a contradiction. I think he, Sutzka, wrote that, that contradiction um, that for, the, for the duration of his writing career. Uh, he, he very much was part of Vilna, and Vilna saw itself as both a center of the Yiddish folk and, as, and, a, and a center of high culture. And, um, and I think he took that 
to, into every, every corner of his writing. Well, I can't wait to see all this uh, in English and to have this available to a far wider readership. So I thank you for doing that and wish you really yashikoyach and can't wait to see the result. For, for your mouth to God's ears. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Since I don't want to be the one talking, I want you to do most of the talking. So just start off by just telling me, so, you know, what's your name? Where are you from? And what are you working on? Uh, my name is Ellie Moseson. I'm uh, currently a uh, PhD student at Boston University um, studying religion. Um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, uh, New York, and I grew up in a Hasidic family, and we spoke Yiddish. Which I think makes you the only native Yiddish speaker here in this uh, translation weekend. I guess so. And does that change your view of the language? Do you have you know, insights that... that uh, well, I guess I am coming from a different perspective. Uh, I did not grow up with uh, secular Yiddish literature. Um, my interest in uh, Yiddish literature came later. Um, partially because I spoke Yiddish, I knew Yiddish, and I was curious to know uh, more about it and read some of uh, these great works. So how did a writer like Apatoshu strike you the first time you read him? Um, well, I read just a few short stories, um, in English translation mostly, um, there, um, which is all there is. There is uh, a bunch of short stories that have been translated and one uh, novel of his in, in uh, Polish woods in Polish woods and Polish right. Evelder. Um, I I thought he was really great, uh, and um, in particular his early uh, writing uh, deal with um, uh, Eastern European Jewish immigrants in New York, um, which I thought was fascinating. Right. So what are the what are you actually working on now? What are the specific stories that you're Well, uh right now I'm I'm uh working on uh, a novella of his called from New York Ghetto from the New York Ghetto um which is was published by him uh as part of a series uh called Unterwelt which sort of deals with the Jewish underworld um in the early 20th century New York. Um and is a I thought it was really interesting in the way it deals with maybe some unknown aspects of the immigrant experience. Yeah, I was going to say it's precisely the kind of literature that wasn't translated by previous generations right. for obvious reasons. Right. And now suddenly looks very interesting to all of us, so I can't wait to, I can't, can't wait to read it. But tell me, wh what's the biggest challenge you're facing? In um, well, so my Yiddish is not an academic Yiddish. It's a more spoken Yiddish, so part of the challenge is uh, becoming more familiar with uh, the conventions of uh, Yiddish literature um, and figuring out how to render uh, <laughs> this rich language into an English that people can read and enjoy. Well, I can't wait to see the result, and thanks so much for being here. You're very welcome. Thanks. So start out just because I'm, I'm going to try to minimize my role on tape. So uh, just start out by telling me who you are and, and what you're doing. All right. I'm Miriam Udell, and I teach Yiddish language, literature, and culture at Emory University, and I was very excited to see the call for translators go out because I've been contemplating embarking on a project that will involve a lot, a lot of translation. Um, I would like to create an anthology and perhaps an accompanying monograph um, about children's literature in Yiddish, and so the anthology would collect Yiddish children's literature 
and uh, hopefully with some kind of thoughtful commentary and introduction. Oh, that is so exciting. I remember some years ago, we put together a bibliography of Yiddish children's literature, came up with like 1,200 titles, and we were just completely astonished at how many really good writers also wrote for kids. That's exactly what got me thinking about this project, because um, I myself was really kind of first perplexed and then excited to realize that so many of our best, most canonical Yiddish authors also wrote for children. And I started asking myself, is this the case in other world literatures where your nobilist and uh, all of your most distinguished adult literatures um, also write for this young audience? And I realized that it's actually something pretty distinctive about Yiddish literature, and I'd like to really explore and get to the bottom of why. What's your operative theory? <sighs> Uh, it's probably too early to even talk about a, a theory, but I think that it might have something to do with the place of childhood and the centrality of education hmm. in Jewish culture. And do children books present children's books present specific problems in translation that you might not encounter otherwise? So I'm not that far into the project yet, yeah. but the one that I anticipate is that I hope that this book will be embraced by families and that these stories and poems will be read to young readers. And with translations in general, we often ask the reader to stretch toward the text and understand that this is something from a different cultural context and you need to open your ears very widely in order to try to hear the nuances of a foreign culture. Um, with children, you can't really ask them to stretch toward the text in the same way. I think that right. a lot of the stretching has to be done to get to them. Oh, that's a wonderful answer and also sounds really hard, right? I anticipate <laughs> challenges. Um, I don't think it will be easy, but I think that if I can make the right selections and arrive at the right kind of tone and register, that this could be a book that will foster an interest in and a consciousness about Yiddish literature from the youngest ages so that 15 years later, when these kids end up in my freshman seminar, they're ready to go. They already know who Isaac Besheva Singer is. They already know who Shalom Aleichem is. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I think there are going to be a lot of our listeners out there uh, just counting the days till they can start reading these stories to their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. It sounds like a whole world's going to start to open up, and we're very grateful to you for that. Well, from your lips to God's ears. Thanks so much. <laughs> You've been listening to Tune In, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. My thanks today to Sebastian Schulman and his assistant, Allison Posner, who planned and organized the translation workshop on which these interviews are based. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, please tune into our website, www.yiddishbookcenter.org. That's www.yiddishbookcenter, all one word, .org. Our producer is Agnieszka Ilvitska. I'm Aaron Lansky. Zaimir Stark and Gesund. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. <laughs>